Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Day One, Week One podcast. My name is Billy Bowering. Today, we have a special guest coming in here. We finally got the schedule right. We finally got everything we needed to. He's willing to come out here all the way from Merle's Inlet, South Carolina. Please help me to welcome Mr. Kenny Harlow. How you doing today, Kenny? Good, good, good. How about you? Outstanding, man. So, hey, we're we're gonna go we're gonna go all in, right? Absolutely. So, uh, that's what we're if, here for. If you would, if just kind of introduce yourself and kind of explain the whole reason why uh, I thought you'd be a good guy for the for the podcast. Yeah. So again, I'm I'm Kenny. Uh, grew up in Northern Virginia. Um, pretty pretty rough upbringing, and uh, decided I needed a change. Um, so when I graduated high school, I went to a college. It was the first one I ever go to college and family and went to Southern Virginia for a year. Didn't care for the school. Um, came back home and, uh, worked a couple summer jobs, applied to Coastal Carolina University, moved down here a week before school ever started. No place to stay. Nothing. Uh, packed everything I owned in a Jeep Wrangler and I left and came down here and pulled into the parking lot of the school and found a place to stay and slept on a little air mattress and, Lo and behold, I've been here 20 years later and after uh, quite a quite a while in law enforcement and now business owner, so it's pretty crazy. So when you came down here, did you even get accepted to the college at that point? Yeah, I had. I, literally, they accepted me like a week before. Okay. Um, it was kind of a, it was a wild ride, I'll be honest with you, but I, I needed that. I needed to get away from the environment I was in. Um, I Like I said, I needed that change and needed that push. And, and it was just one of those things. I I was always kind of self-motivated, I guess you could say. And I just knew if I was going to, if I was going to go anywhere, I needed to test the waters somewhere else. And, and I mean, it, it's obviously worked out great. I mean, I've been over here over half my life now. Right. So it's been great. So you're in college and what was the, what was the inspiration necessarily to get into law enforcement? So it actually, I came to college originally or was going to college for a biology degree. So I definitely could have taken an easier route because <laughs> um, originally I was going to study the, uh, the effects of mercury on the humans from fish consumption, like your tunas and stuff like that. Um, like I said, diehard outdoorsman, eat, breathe, and sleep hunting and fishing. Uh, about halfway through, I was realizing that's only going to carry me so far. And I, I'd always, growing up, always in the back of my mind, thought about being a game warden. That was always kind of really the goal. And uh, so once I graduated college, and even there, I was working through school, didn't really have any, I wouldn't say family support, but it was it was very limited. And I actually had to drop out in order to work. And as soon as I got the opportunity to go back, it was right back in to finish. Um, and then when I finished, I was like, all right, I want to be a game warden. So then I thought about going back to Virginia. Um, I tested up there, got extremely far into the testing with no no background, nothing like that in law enforcement, and that was in 08. And 08, obviously, was a, a tough time. It was a tough time. Yeah, so for the economy. So they only took, like, a handful, and I can't exactly remember, but it was, like, ungodly amount of applicants. Um, I I thought I heard the number somewhere around possibly up to 1,600 I could be wrong, but I mean, for a state for like 12 positions, mm -hmm. got down to the last 30 and uh, then didn't make it through there. So at that time I was uh, working at Home Depot um, and 
Myrtle Beach was hiring. So I put in there. And again, I mean, over a hundred and some applicants. And I mean, there's only a handful of us that got, got selected. So I was able to actually get, get selected on there. Um, which it was, it was a humbling, it was an honor to get on there for sure. Like I said, I definitely, definitely love what the job and position stood for. So law enforcement was, was something when you, you said you went to the college for biology, where was the law enforcement influence where you said, right, other than the game warden? I mean, I mean, that was always in the back of the mind was a game warden. And it's ironically enough, the reason why, like I said, again, diehard outdoorsman hunting and fishing, but, um, my family were probably some of the, the biggest outlaws when it comes to hunting and fishing. <laughs> I mean, and they were, and I'll give them credit. I mean, as, as crazy as it sounds, they were really good at it. I mean, it was pre cell phone days, pre trail cameras, pre all pre. I mean, like I said, it was just a whole different ball game. Right. Um, so I learned from the best. I knew if I went into that field, I was going to, I was going to do really well. You had the tricks. Uh, yeah. I, I knew, <laughs> I, knew what, I knew what I needed to look for. Right. Um, so, and it, it was just always interesting to me. Again, it's a job where I knew I could be outside. There's going to be different challenges um, and something, something in the community, like I said, just to protect, like I said, something I love to do. And I mean, it's, it's always been hunting and fishing has always been my crutch. Even, even growing up, like I said, in a, in a rough upbringing, I grew up on a farm. So it was hunting, fishing. If there's any, any issues inside the household, that's just, that was my escape. And even when I came here, even when I'm in law enforcement, even when I was going through college, I, I mean, this is how poor I was. It was either do I go out partying and drinking or do I go hunting? Cause I couldn't afford to do both. <laughs> so, <laughs> so lo and behold, I took on the, the hunting and fishing and that's just, even to this day. Um, I mean, even this morning I was out. So I was going to ask you if you'd been out, it's, it's yeah. deer season. So I'm well, duck, season, duck came in this weekend. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I've been up since about four 30 this morning right. and just running, but it just, it keeps me, it's, it's just a different different environment where you can kind of reflect and take it all in. It's not just the shooting and killing to me. That's right. not what it really is. Right. So, but the yeah. management of it and in uh, preserving preserving uh, wildlife things like that. Oh, absolutely. Management, and that's kind of why it. I think the game warden was there. Mm-hmm. But there's just there's such a, a falsehood around hunting and fishing because if you take that money from conservationists and licensing everything out like that the animals just get destroyed right um there's a even that over in africa so many people are uneducated on how that actually works over there uh without the money from the hunters going over there those villages just get some tags Mm -hmm. and without the hunters like i mean i'm going there eventually but myself going over spending that money which goes back to the schools you only get to bring back the horns all the meat goes to the village everything goes to that village because they don't have the technology to go get those animals so it's, it's really a win-win, but you take that out, then all the poaching and everything that goes on over there with the animals mm-hmm. getting killed, and then there's no money right. at all. No so. support for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So how's the, how's the family support? Um, I guess after the years you're getting into law enforcement, you were accepted by, you said, Myrtle Beach, and um, once your family or the support family from Virginia knew that you were going to be a police officer down there, how, yeah. did, how, did how did that go for everybody? Um, I think, I mean... My mom was definitely proud. I mean, even my dad was. I can't. I can't say that they weren't. They were definitely the concern of any parent. I, I get that. I was single at the time. I didn't have no wife, no kids. Um, did have now my wife. I mean, we were dating for quite a while. Uh, so I mean, she kind of knew knew what I was getting into. But it kind of. But I was here again. Like I said, I'd made a life myself here. Truly. Um, and again, I grew up. My parents weren't 
weren't, I wouldn't say educated, but my mom had us, me and an older sister are teenagers. So she dropped out of high school early. My dad, he barely got through. Um, again, we've definitely turned some pages there, but I mean, I'm, I definitely have my battles with alcohol and I don't mean that I drink. It's more the repercussions I've seen it on the inside of a, mm-hmm. a nuclear family. And so that's kind of why I, I, like I said, when I kind of just stopped drinking, it was, it was just, well, and it came in the law enforcement. I'm not saying I didn't, didn't drink and do some of that stuff, but eventually, like I said, seeing the toll that it took on him. And when I became a police officer, there were a whole lot of guys, I won't say names that, that made the front page of the newspaper. And I watched their careers mm-hmm. go down from DUIs, um, and decent exposures. I mean, just, I, and here's like four officers. I mean, that are just bang, 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 bang. And I'm going, and they're all the front page of the newspaper and their careers are over. I'm like, all right, I don't really care for it that much to begin with. Um, I'm over 21 now, so mm-hmm. it's not, not as exciting. It's still so. happening today. I mean, oh yeah. We're still, I mean, it's still every, it's, oh, yeah. it gets a grasp. And, um, it and, I, and I really feel like in that law enforcement setting, and I know my personality, I definitely have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And I feel like if I didn't, if I would have went down that rabbit hole, it probably was going to end bad. I just right. luckily was able to catch myself because of seeing somebody else do it on growing up and then Turner and seeing what could have been. Um, like I said, he's doing well now with a construction company and so forth, my father. But probably right now, one, I probably should have never ended up in law enforcement, should be running a massive multi-million dollar construction company. Mm-hmm. If he would have just gave it half the attention that he would have at the bar. So, yeah, I mean, and then, like I said, then I go over to law enforcement side and I start seeing all these officers front page of the newspaper basically tarnishing the badge. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a tough one. And I knew that, like I said, if I didn't tighten up real quick and just cut it off, and that's what I did. And I'm not saying I won't touch a, a drop now, but, I mean, it's very, very, very limited. And, again, because so, I have definitely complete control. I'm mm-hmm. old enough now. I mm-hmm. mean, I have too many things to lose now. But yeah, I mean, if we were all out at the bar and it was celebrating somebody getting married, yeah, I'll take a shot and have a, but yeah, oh, sure. you're not going to catch me just hammering, hammering 12 of them. Cause if I do, <laughs> right. <laughs> not going to sit and watch a football game and have a six pack yeah. or anything like that. So it right. just, and I, I mean, and it, and honestly removing that from my life is what's allowed me to get to where I'm at and think clearly, because like I said, I've seen the decisions on the opposite side. And like I said, no doubt addictive personality. I mean, when I get focused on something, it is. It's it's all or nothing. My wife will fly, tell you that right now. <laughs> Even if it's something something like I'm sitting there doing something, like I have to focus on that one thing and get it done. So yeah. So how many years after um, you got on with Myrtle Beach, um, you started some other training and started getting involved in different different areas in law enforcement. Yeah. With I'm, that, how long how long were you basically on the road before that kind of transitioned into a different? So I got Unit. some good advice early and I know that again, like I said, I know there's some officers that are, they're going to listen to this. Um, there were some, a couple old salty dogs and I definitely took their advice. And a lot of guys don't nowadays when I watch brand new officers come in, it's almost that millennial mentality of like, I've been on the road for a year. I deserve to be in SWAT. I deserve to be in narcotics. I deserve all this stuff. You got to pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. Like most of them are, are not even, 25 years old yet and in my opinion and i know it's hard to get recruits that's that should be the minimum age for law enforcement um that's when obviously your brain is fully developed but how how am i supposed to go in at 21 years old to a house where people are 40 50 years old that are having a domestic and tell them 
how they need to be living their life. Right. When I, I, I mean, they got kids my age. So like I said, that's where some of that discrepancy of spend a few years on the road. Um, and that's what I did. I worked night shift, started, started on nights, um, did a year and a half on nights, then went to day shift, did a year and a half on days. So I got to see the best of both worlds because it is completely opposite policing. Um, and then, uh, and that actually became a field training officer and got selected into the canine unit. Um, and that was the canine. And again, a lot of people, a lot of people don't even know, but that was, that was a pivotal moment in my career of staying with Myrtle beach. Because at that time I was actually going through the process for South Carolina DNR and I'd gotten okay. all the way to the, the Colonel interview. Um, so again, I mean, it was back to what I originally wanted to do. And then, um, at the time there was a, they had just redone the canine unit and Chris Smith, um, captain now really good officer. He, uh, he approached me because they were watching a lab that I had trained for duck hunting and said, Hey, do you think you could possibly do that with this dog? So I put in and only three people put in. So when a canine slot, when only three people put in because the dog was struggling, it wasn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault the handler. Um, the dog was young. It was a rescue. I mean, it's not, you didn't just go to a, a, a dog, um, where we go to canine school, like custom canine Unlimited, and go pick out a dog that, that that's what they're bred and eat, breathe and sleep to do. So I was fortunate enough to get selected. Um, and we were really just ragtagging it. I mean, the unit, we were running around in some old beat up explorers and we were just, we were getting it done. I mean, <laughs> flat out. And when I took over Roscoe, um, he was, uh, I went into his kennel and he just was kind of just kind of laying there. Like, so he was young. So I started researching the breed. And the first thing it says is that it's very family oriented dog likes being around people. Well, when you're off for three or four days and the dog's just laying in the kennel, it's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of ruffling them. But when we went to canine school, I actually, at that time graduated with the, uh, the highest, uh, test scores to ever go through there. So then the career kind of took off. I mean, like I said, you have a rescue of a Griffon wire hair pointer. He's not a normal, normal looking dog. Um, which ultimately led to a lot of cool stuff later on in the canine, uh, because I would use him for some of the alphabets to, uh, to just put on plain clothes and go mm-hmm. try to, try so to he, sniff cars. So he was trained narcotics, for narcotics, narcotics mm-hmm. article searches and tracking. Um, Really good at narcotics uh, because he was very methodical and he was a hunting dog. Mm-hmm. His tracking was a little bit harder because he's not really a ground. He's not that breed is not designed just to stick their nose to the ground and go. Now, when it comes to article searches, he was phenomenal because he was a bird dog. I mean, he would just zigzag back and forth, pick it right up and lock up. So it was great when we go to court because everybody, the whole argument is, oh, was that an indication from the canine or, or what? Roscoe just locked up like a bird dog. I mean, <laughs> it was <laughs> super awesome. easy to say, just Hey, no, right now. yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. he'd even stare. Like I can remember one time we had a really good drug bust and the guy had a bunch of heroin in, in the car and Roscoe and it was kind of raining. He kind of come around, he starts sniffing the window and he looks at the guy and he just slowly looks over at me and he just stares right back <laughs> at the guy. And just bounces back. I'm like, all right, well clearly it's in the car. That's awesome. But I mean, there were just so many neat, neat things with him. Um, like I said, amazing. And, and his still Roscoe, I mean, he's still to this day having a massive impact on me. Um, even though I lost him in May of 2022 because my oh, business wow. is named after him. 
my business is named after him. We still clean the animal rescues. I still donate mm-hmm. money to him. He's still the face of the, the company mm-hmm. to this day, um, which is which is great. I mean, our name is on the side of some of the animal rescues because right. of him. So That's it's awesome. it's just weird how it all kind of kind of transpired and kind of has led me to to where I am now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, K nine was was amazing. So after the the training, <clears throat> how long did you do? the canine the stuff with Roscoe? So Roscoe was with six years. Mm-hmm. And at that time also, I ended up um, becoming a firearms instructor, um, specific skills, driving instructor. I mean, I was, like I said, I was, I was going there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought 30 years was going to be, was what I was going to do. And um, so then eventually Roscoe, Roscoe also had a heart murmur and we picked that up later on in his, his career. So we had to kind of watch it. So we ended up retiring him out about eight and a half years old was when we retired him out. And that's when then I got goggles and went on to the explosive detection side, mm-hmm. which was nice. It was a new challenge, something completely different, um, whole different mindset. But even though my wife was worried about me in narcotics, I didn't realize the, the amount of toll it was taken on her mm-hmm. on the, the explosive detection side. And I, I think sometimes we get wrapped up in our own little bubble and don't really realize the impacts it's having around us. And unfortunately, once I got hurt and had to lay in a bed, I got to mm-hmm. firsthand see it. Well, let's, so. let's, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. The impacts. When did you first start noticing that, that it was having an impact at home? Um, my daughter. So I have a, a six year old daughter. And when she was two, I mean, I was working just day after day after day. Cause I was always in fear. And even to this day, it's still there of making sure that my family is financially stable because I didn't grow up in that. Mm-hmm. So it was, like I said, that my daughter will never know the struggles that I, that I went through. So I just worked myself to the bone. I'm just, I'm that kind of guy that's just going to grind. I didn't miss work. I mean, I had towards the end, I had 960 hours of sick 450 vacation. I mean, I had it, I had it racked up um, because I just didn't quit. And then, but one day she was sitting at the table and, um, I'd gotten gotten into a little bit of trouble at work. Never been in trouble before. Finally got finally got in trouble for something I still to this day am a firm believer in what I what I was doing. Um, and so that happened. She gets upset because I'm gone. And, and looking back at it, I mean, it, I'm not a very religious person, but when I start looking at the steps, like it, it's kind of eerie. Um, like I said, here, I'm thinking I'm going to do 30 years. I get hemmed up. I think it was about January, February of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, January 2020. And then right there around the summer, she starts getting upset. And I was already in the back of my mind thinking, okay, I need to probably start a side business to just kind of limit my liability. I always hear the cities and the municipality departments limiting their liability. I'm like, well, what point... Am I working 12 hours a day, just day after day after day? Do I start limiting my liability? So I started looking at businesses. But again, I was so busy, I I didn't have time. I was trying to research these things as it was going. And I was thinking about three different businesses, landscaping, pressure washing, and a deer processor. Um, And the way that those all kind of came about, um, I grew up around a deer processing plant. Mm -hmm. So, And then I was also, that would be in the winter months. Well, we had the summer months. It wasn't really going to impact what was going on, but the upfront cost was pretty high. 
um, landscaping, thought about landscaping. And once I started looking at the margins, I mean, it was, I can go back to your house one time and wash it, or I got to go back and cut it 10 times to make the same amount of money. And I only got a small window to do it. So, and I didn't want to split the, the, the money for equipment for each one. I was going to pick one and that was it. So that's how I went into the, uh, the pressure washing. And, um, again, but I didn't have no time. Like it was just work trying to spend time with the family. Obviously COVID COVID came about and, uh, my daughter ended up catching COVID towards the end of October. Well, that put me out for two weeks. Didn't, I mean, even though I didn't have it, just that was when COVID was like the voodoo. I mean, it just, that's yeah, like, okay. Anybody in your house had it. You're Correct. not, you're not yeah. going anywhere. You're done. Right. So at that time I got online, LLC in my company, um, ordered my equipment, started getting the process, process going. And, uh, so finally it, it all kind of started, um, started going and January comes around and, uh, I finally get my trailer. I kind of get my stuff. I'm kind of excited going into a new year and, uh, go clean my first house. It's actually Debbie Flitcham's house. So clean my first one. Still don't quite know what I'm doing, but I'm working on it. And, uh, the end of that month I woke up and, uh, my right arm didn't feel right. I was like, what in the world? Um, but again, I'm honoring. I still went to work. I thought maybe I'd slept on it weird. And uh, didn't know over the last year that I'd been missing the indications of what was to come. So by that afternoon, well, about noon, I'm in the uh, captain's office. And I'm like, man, I don't, something's weird with my right arm. I'm like, I'm just going to go home. I'm owed some hours. I'm going to ice this thing, take some medicine, lay down. Um. By that night, the pain had set in. It was absolutely excruciating. Uh, I mean, I had a kidney stone, and it didn't even didn't even hurt this bad. And uh, the next day, I wake up and I tell my wife, "I'm like, hey, you got to drive me to the doctor. Like, I don't, and I don't go to the doctor. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> when I say I don't go to the doctor, I don't go to the doctor. She would yell at me all the time. And I can still remember as we were leaving the neighborhood and we got to the intersection outside. I said, I don't know why, but this one feels like a career ender. And mm-hmm. she's like. She's like, you're just in a lot of pain. I'm like, something's different. Something's, something's off. And uh, so first doctor, doc in a box, didn't, didn't even get close. I mean, they were tendonitis and something. I don't know. It was, and, I, and at this time, I couldn't even, like, move the bed. I mean, I had to, I slept on a, only thing I could do, I couldn't eat because my mus- muscles in my neck hurt so bad um, when I would chew. And I'm sleeping on a, a heating pad so bad that I melted the heating pad just to try to get any kind of comfort. Uh, after about a week, I'm like still just absolutely excruciating pain. I'm like, this is not working. I need to go see somebody else. And uh, I go to a, a um, SC Ortho and uh, start. They kind of, again, our insurance, is, it shows you that sometimes insurance can be a little bit of a pain. They wouldn't do an MRI. The city, the the city of Myrtle Beach's insurance at that time. Again, it could have changed. I don't want to sit and knock on them. I mean, they paid for it. I, I can't. But they wouldn't do an MRI. But um, they would go ahead and start physical therapy. And the doctor I had, he was like, hundred percent, they're wrong. I just can't tell you what it is. He said it's definitely, definitely sounds like it's probably more in your neck or your back. And uh, 
I remember still, I couldn't drive myself. I couldn't do anything. But while I was laying in that bed, I, and like I said, I knew, I knew that things were not going to be the same anymore. So instead of laying in there in that bed, and this is where like people have to start making a decision. So instead of laying there in that bed and I, and I still, even to this day, the biggest thing in my business is I don't know what I don't know. And as I'm sitting there laying there thinking of that kind of stuff, um, instead of just laying there watching TV and, and cop reruns or whatever, stuff that really didn't matter, I learned how to build a website. I learned how to market. I started learning the in-depth strategies of, of the pressure washing and really started listening to the right people and taking all of that information in. And again, as I kind of progressively, things weren't really really getting better for me health-wise. And at the same time, laying there was when I was realizing the tolls that the job was taking mm-hmm. taking on the family um, with my wife having to, to take those burdens on. Because um, when the phone rang at midnight, she knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knew it was fixing the... I, di- I didn't get caught. Again, I was the bomb handler for City Myrtle Beach, and my dog was trained to define bombs, and she was absolutely a monster at tracking. So it was only one of two things we were going to go do. That's right. And it wasn't for somebody for shoplifting. They're not calling me out at midnight. So she's laying there. I mean, it's like, oh, is my husband coming home or the father of my kid? And like I said, I'm going into that mindset of like, oh, yeah, I'm fixing to go into. I'm going to go find a Yeah, I'm fixing to go into what I signed up for. And while she's over there and not thinking that the greed that for me, and again, I understand somebody's got to do the job. I'm not saying not, but there's got to be a balance. And looking back at my career, the balance was not there. Mm -hmm. I was... Again, yes, you got to be devoted to the position and really take take that on. But sometimes when when you take that uniform off, you got to take it off. And uh, Tom Hardy, one of the my training officers, and I and luckily, like I said, I listened to his advice early on. He said, "All your friends should not be police officers. Just about none of them should be." And he was right. Um, that was one of the biggest things because again, you're in that environment all day long. And then you get out and you're still in that toxic environment. You're never separating yourself from it. And it just, it just continues to eat it, eat away at you. And you think that that's what the whole world's like. And it's not. Um, and that's why I'm very fortunate. Now, when I pull up to a customer's house, I'm not parking down the street, sneaking up the side of the house right. to see if I'm going to get a gun <laughs> in my face or not. Exactly. It totally changes your perceptive. Um, and, and like I said, as I was laying there in that bed and just all that stuff was, Cause I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, all you could do was sit there and think in your thoughts. Um, and finally I got to the Southeastern Spine Institute out of Mount Pleasant when another officer who had just, uh, just retired, but lo and behold, owns a pressure washing company. Um, he's like, Hey, we both had the same indicators leading to the injury. We just didn't catch him. We had a little bit of pain. Almost felt like a pulled muscle behind her right shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd herniated my C7 and basically all the cartilage when they showed me the MRI had left between C6 and C7. So both vertebrae were sitting on top of each other, pinching all the nerves. So I, when I knew finally it was something there was when I was going through physical therapy and they literally took my head and kind of pulled it away from my body a little bit and took all that pressure off and all mm-hmm. that pain just, just left. That's but that amazing. was from, and again, there was a lot of looking back. And I mean, they said that the injury came from looking down and handling weight and it, and again, I've been asked before, well, why didn't you, why didn't you sue the city or why didn't you, I knew what I signed up for. 
I, I mean, I, I'm not saying there's, there's certain aspects, but I knew what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the gear I was wearing. I knew, I knew all what, what was going on. And on top of that, I, I was very fortunate. I had two retired uh, cops at the time and one current who was doing all the work in the field for my business. Very, very fortunate. That brotherhood was, was there. And to this day, I mean, one of them still an amazing friend of mine. I talked to him probably every day. Um, he's no longer there, but it's the kind of friends that you want. He works for a national home builder. Now, now I clean all the houses for that national home builder mm-hmm. in this area. That's the kind of friend you want to surround yourself with. And, uh, so like I said, once, once I finally figured out what the problem was and it took me months and months and months to get better, but they were like, well, you can medical out. I mean, that's what the doctor told me, but if I medical it out, I can make $30,000 a year. Well, I had some bad advice early on about pressure washing and I won't get too crazy in the numbers, but, um, from what we're doing now, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but I was told you could only make about 45,000 a year at this county. So again, I'm laying in bed. I'm like, how the heck am I going to do this? Like, what is, how am I supposed to support my family? I can't, I can't work a canine anymore. I had some neuropathy in my right hand and that's really what was the deciding factor for me when I said it's time to go mm-hmm. because the day and age with policing, if the, if I got in a shooting or a fight and it wasn't perfect, how was this going to be looked upon? Right. Um, so the first month we do 10,000 and I, again, I'm laying in bed hurt and I'm like, okay. And then the next month we do 25. All right. And again, this is all from the seeds I'm planting. The next month we do 30. I'm like, well, clearly the idiot I got the advice from <laughs> didn't know what he was doing and didn't take the time to educate himself. And or he um, just didn't want you to know. Correct. And <laughs> well, I, I know looking back at it, I mean, I, like I said, I won't call him out, but there's still some, some reviews up that, that show where he didn't make some good decisions when mm-hmm. he was getting ready to close his business. Um, and one of the local pressure washing guys here, there's a lot of pressure washing companies in Myrtle Beach. There is a absolute ton of them. One of a really good, I mean, the guy's an absolute great friend of mine. He's been doing it for 28 years. He said, Kenny, if you do the right things in three years, you can do $100,000 a year. In the back of my mind, I was like, I'm doing it now. And mm-hmm. he's like, and looking back at it, we joke because by July we'd hit 100000 Wow. So, and again, we had a great rest of the year. And to this point now, again, this was just me thinking about I'm going to get a trailer just so I can make some money to help my family Mm -hmm. to where now I have three trucks, three trailers. I have property. I have all this stuff within Mm -hmm. three years. I mean, the business just hit a three-year mark, but that didn't come with the struggles. I mean, that doesn't come with tons and tons and tons of hours and still continuing to learn because as I probably watch my competitors – and looking, I wouldn't say that I, I classify them as, as criminals, kind of how you, but it's kind of the narcotics of like, hey, what are they doing? How do I stay ahead? And, and that was really the kind of, kind of what my thought process is. And, um, and just keeping, keeping the pedal down and just staying, staying uncomfortable, but staying extremely focused. Um, that's what I'm saying with the alcohol. I could be out of the bar or I could be working on my business. And that's what's really kind of given me the, and like I said, I, and I still even to what the business is now, I ain't made it yet. Mm-hmm. Like I will, I, I haven't made it yet. I can't, I can't just leave my business and, and hope that it runs, even though I have amazing guys. I hear it all the time. You can't find good help. 
That's BS. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's BS is because you're not taking care of them. Um, I, cause I'll ask guys all the time and it's no different than, than at the police department. Like I said, that was always the biggest complaint. And there are some guys and girls, I mean, but you're never going to make them happy. If you gave them a hundred thousand dollar raise, Within six months, they're going to be complaining because they're going to be living past their means. That's just how they are. But my employees, I literally make sure that I can give them everything I can because they're an investment. And if 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 I just try to soak every dollar out of them, I'm going to get a $10, $12 an hour employee. Mm-hmm. The headaches become more. And I truly think in policing that that would change the game a lot. Imagine the, the quality of candidates that they would get if Myrtle Beach said tomorrow, we're going to hire $100,000. Mm-hmm. Employees are going to get $100,000. Your weak ones are going to get kicked off because it's the accountability, mm-hmm. what I can hold inside of my business. You come in for a $10 an hour employee and you're late. And I'm like, Hey, you're late. And I'm going to write you up. And you're going to be like, okay, I'm going down the, right but now when you start, I mean, my guys are this coming year, they're going to start getting medical. Mm-hmm. They're going to start getting options for retirement. All the, out of a pressure margin company, they're right. making more <laughs> per hour. There's three options for bonuses. Mm-hmm. And there's in the works again, I know it's over here, but it just shows you how you have to think about your guys. I'm looking at possibly within five years, if an employee's with me for five years and they're very qualified and do a really good job, if they want to go to a city, I will move them to a city and then do massive profit sharing with them. Have that territory. Correct. To stop, to stop a dead end job. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if I just wanted to make really good money, I could stay in the truck by myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just have a helper. What happens if I get hurt? What do I have asset down the road? I don't have, I've got a truck and a trailer and a client list and you could, I could sell you my client list. And then if they could, I'll tell you, well, if you, if Kenny's not cleaning it, we don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I right. mean, it, and it happens. I mean, there's so <laughs> many, so many customers you'll, again, it'll sound weird, but when you open a business, you're going to find out more customers are going to become your friends and then mm-hmm. your friends become customers. Cause they all want discounts. They all want, right. they all want some money off, but they don't realize $40,000 trailer. Fifty, sixty thousand dollar truck, and it's not because I want to spend that much. But that's what it's going to take to right. to have the right equipment, and then the training, the insurance. I mean, I hear people talk about, man, I got to pay two thousand dollars for car insurance. I'll spend over twenty thousand dollars this year alone in insurance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it you can't you can't do that, and it's hard. I mean, you want to take care of your friends, but you'll again, like I said earlier, you'll realize who your friends are mm-hmm. because they're going to push you, they're going to be there to support you, right? Compared to the ones that are just kind of and then you're also going to realize the ones that were your friends until you pass them. And when you pass them, it, whether they're cheering right. or they're starting to talk. talk well, I, heard, I heard a statement one time is that you're never going to be criticized by someone who's doing better than you are. Yeah. And it's there's, it's always going to be somebody that's not doing as well as you are. Correct. And you're going to be criticized. Yeah. Right? And you cannot get distracted. And like I said, looking back at the amount of time. And again, I don't fault anybody for it. Like I said, when you're in that, that environment in that law enforcement environment, but the amount of time I wasted of just the negative, mm-hmm. the nonsense, the drama, I mean, it just, that's literally time of my life. that got sucked away that looking mm-hmm. back, I'm like, damn, what a waste. Like it just, it, and it really, and it's sad because like I said, it wears you out and it adds unnecessary stress. Even the guys that work for me now, like I said, I very, very fortunate. And they, I'm very clear with them. If I catch them complaining to another employee about something that me and you could talk about and mm-hmm. work out and be done and you're stressing about you're like, you're gone. Like they will tell you that is my mm-hmm. number one thing because I, we work hard and we play hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's, I take my guys 
shooting, fishing, business is business, but we're still going to go out we're going to have a good time. Right. Um, because they are absolutely investment and I can't even wait till spring of next year. Cause it's just going to, the top is going to blow off this thing. When the pollen hits, it goes, the, the top blows it off. It does. <laughs> but again, this is what I mean. And this is what we watch in, in law enforcement. And like I said, I'm watching these trends inside the business mm-hmm. because how, look at the average career of a police officer. I mean, it's not very long and it's just, well, we'll go get a new body. We'll go get a new body. But these guys just over a course of a year, what it was taking them to clean until five or six o'clock in the afternoon, they're getting it done at one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden I can add another job or two on at the end of each day. They're not going anywhere. They're going to make a little bit more out of bonus. I'm going to have less headaches. It'd be mm-hmm. no different in law enforcement. If we could hang on the guys that had that 10 or 15 years experience that are good officers, you're not going to have the nonsense you got of just the, the constant recycling. Um, and I think that that's, that's something that's not looked at enough. Um, again, and I think it all, but there has to be the, the accountability, um, that aspect too, but to the point of when it's, when it's not micromanaged, I mean, there's gotta be a fine line. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, I know they're still doing it and not, and I know that it's, it's what they have to do in their policy. But again, towards the end of my career, I had to randomly watch videos of each officer on body cameras. And document every single mm-hmm. every single thing that they did wrong out of a 900 page policy manual. I mean, that's hard. It's mm-hmm. already a hard enough job. I'm not saying to not look at them, but unless it's like something that, in my opinion, classifies like suspension or something mm-hmm. like, then we need to pump the brakes. And right. I, and so that was kind of for me was was kind of tough there towards the end, and even kind of one of those factors of, of looking back. And same thing too was I'm laying there hurt. Um, don't know the full outcome. Don't know all of it. But the city medical, uh, city of Myrtle Beach pulled the medical benefits from the retirees. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, what in the world is it going to be there in right. 13 more years when I get there? Um, well, it would have been less than that because I bought, I created the, the pressure washing business to buy five years of service too. So that was kind of the the goal. But when you see that thing, I mean, again, you're an employee and I'm telling you I'm going to come to you and I'm going to take your benefits. I'm going to start taking Like mm-hmm. there's got to be a line, like I said, where – for me, I'm trying to get my guys literally every single thing I can each year because I just know that next year they're going to probably – I won't have to even increase my my workforce, but I will probably see an increase of 25 to 27% is what my projection is mm-hmm. just by keeping the same guys. And keeping them taken yeah, care of. And correct, like that. and the efficiency. And, I mean, okay, so I give them a couple more dollars an hour, which they're going to mm-hmm. get more raises. I give them a dollar or two more an hour. And again, I don't have to go train somebody else completely. So the amount of time I'm wasting, no different than an FTO. Look at how long we put somebody through FTO and pre-service and we're spending all that money. But instead, we don't want to look far enough ahead in the projections of, hey, if we actually could take some of that money Mm -hmm. and allocate it the right way, whether it is bonus incentives or something like that. Um, Even when I started, there was bonus incentives. It wasn't much, but I mean, you got something for not missing days of work and and sick. I mean, Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of things like that that they could be doing to keep so the guys two, around. There's two questions, <clears throat> excuse me, there's two questions that I have uh, going into that. You know, you're talking about taking care of your of your guys and things like that. You're watching body cams, uh, critici- not necessarily criticizing, but more or less critiquing what they're doing mm-hmm. throughout the day, things like that. Um, added stress. They're in a stressful situation. They're in stressful jobs. Obviously, as a police officer, there's trauma. Uh, there's multiple traumas throughout the year. Um, some t- 
you know, statistics talking about um, the average police officer goes through 188 in a year tra- traumatic events when yeah. a normal person would go through three or four in their lifetime. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so the next question to that is, what would you think? I mean, because you started, you said in 08, is that right? When you started I, with I, Myrtle Beach? 09. 09? Yeah, I was applied in 08, got hired in 09. Okay. Was there any talk when you started about mental health and about, about hey, guys, this is what you're getting into. You, you've, you've made it, yeah. you've alluded to it a couple of times. I know what I signed up for. Yeah. But, but did you really? Because um, your say, family took a toll. Yeah, right? I mean, yes and no. I The only thing I remember going through the academy, I swear to God, is um, what was it? You're going to... You're going to get sued and you're going to, I can't remember, it's something I, for life, I can't remember what was drawing a blank. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a different, policing had changed. Like I said, when I first was still coming out, you still handled business. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it wasn't anything that never, like I said, never did anything cross the line where it shouldn't have been, mm-hmm. should have been addressed or something like that. But like I said, there was no body cams. The cell phones weren't there. Facebook was in its infancy. There wasn't anything to where you're just, everybody's got these platforms now. Right. To just, Media. Yeah. I mean, just, Everything just like where that. you out. Um, and, and I don't think that the toll mentally was it at that tough at that time. I'm not saying it still wasn't there because I can remember the first probably two or three months walking out of my house, looking at my stuff, like, wondering whether I'll even come back, mm-hmm. like whether I'll actually be back. I mean, I'm putting on a bulletproof vest and a gun for mm-hmm. a reason. I'm not, this is not a normal job. <laughs> and when you start, when you start thinking like that and you start getting that stuff in your head, you got to be careful of how much you let get in there. Um, when it comes to your decision-making, because like I said, yes, I've been in some, I've been in some crazy calls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like I said, one of the ones that probably that will still to this day that I'll, I'll I can remember everything to a T was I had just gotten off FTO, um, and that was, I think, like right around November, October, November, right, right around there. But Christmas that year, I had flown back from Virginia Christmas Day so I could work Christmas night. And I remember it was the morning of the 26th, like early, early hours. I had to go wake up a mother so she could get the phone call that her 16-year-old kid was killed in a car crash. Single mom mm-hmm. walked in there, and I could see the skateboards, the pictures, and everything else like that to stand there. I mean, you're going to... You talk about something, send shivers down your spine. I mean, you're mm-hmm. trying to hold it together. I mean, again, she's already lost one kid. Now she's lost another one. Family members are all injured, and you're like, holy cow. Like, this is not, right. this isn't normal. Um, and again, would, like I said, that's Would you say that's me. not something you signed up for? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's definitely, like I said, it, <laughs> right. it, it's a, it was a toll. And even, like I said, even mm-hmm. to this day, I mean, I'll never forget that. Um, that was one that was like, I'd say, a pivotal moment in my career. Like I could say, hey, that I got I got past that one, and it wasn't the one that you think that it's the shooting, it's the right. the normal one. It's something that was like, and I and now I don't know how I would have handled it now, being a being a father. Mm-hmm. Like it, they would have had a whole whole different impact. I Absolutely. mean, because I even saw a four year old kid get run over. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so like I said, it it definitely changes, and I never had to do it, but I always said in my career, I'm gonna hold my one. My one get out of jail for the one that's gonna that's gonna earn it and deserve mm-hmm. it, um, but it just it's definitely like I said it's got its challenges and I don't think and and I think that's the problem though that you get in that cycle like I said because 
you can't go talk to your friends about it. They're not going to understand. Right. They're just, I mean, that sucks. Especially if you're hanging around, like you said, uh, people that are not police. Yeah. They, they don't understand what you just, they're going to yeah. be like, wow, you got some crazy stories. Yeah. And I mean, that's what they're just wanting to hear the the cool, the cool story to them. That story is not cool. They don't, that's not chasing people. Right. Pulling guns out and tackling and fighting. That's not, <laughs> right. but that's the stuff. That one's probably definitely one of the top three that ever wore on me the most throughout mm-hmm. my career was, was that. I just, I can't imagine, like I said, being a father, getting a police showing up at my door Christmas Day right. telling me that my daughter's, just, right. I mean, I, I couldn't even, I, I wouldn't be able to hold it. So so it's safe to say then that the transition because of where you were, like you said, you were laying in the bed, you started teaching yourself different things about business and how to do a website and kind of helping your decision to go to start your business. So that transition from law enforcement, I mean... I'm assuming because of the financial impact and the ability to be able to come home and be there for your family, um, you know, those outweigh any possible regrets that you might have had uh, yeah. saying, wow, you know, I have I had this incredible law enforcement career with a canine. You know, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of guys I know, uh, they come into law enforcement. Yeah, I, man, I want to be a canine officer. I want to be, you know, mm-hmm. these are things that people aspire for. Did you kind of feel there was any sense of loss with that when you transitioned? Or was oh, absolutely. A, and honestly, I'm sure it was a hard decision, right? Honestly, it took a toll on my wife probably more than because that was my identity. I kind of mm-hmm. had made, like I said, I, I think for me, the ball started rolling when I when I told her, I'm like, hey, this is this is a career ender. I just, I knew it. Like I said, I mean, I, I'm just that guy. Like I said, I would bang myself up, tape myself up and just go. But mm-hmm. it was just completely different. Um so the transition out, it took me quite a while, and I still have some of my habits because, um, like, the official ending for me was in 21. Um, but like I said, looking back at a lot of the the steps, it's like, why did – because if I didn't get hurt, I'd probably still be in it. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I, would, I wouldn't have known any different. I wouldn't have gotten right. stopped, and that's what I mean. That's why it's like how did, how did all these steps lead to this, and that's what's kind of – like I said, not really a religious person, but I'm like, there There was too many sequence of events of mm-hmm. something going on. Um, and then for me, too, like I said, I was able to start spending time with my family. But the one that hit me the hardest was my mom, because I couldn't go home in the summer. It was, they'll tell you you can go home in the summer, but if you leave, they they would, you would get dinged on a certain amount of your overtime and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it wasn't really that easy. And again, I knew Again, I knew what I had signed up for. I was the bomb handle for City Myrtle Beach. There was events all summer long. I needed to be there. I mm-hmm. was the resource to try to keep that area safe. I And I truly, truly, truly took that to heart. Um, didn't matter what was going on around me, what environment. When that dog came, I hit, hit all four paws on the ground. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make sure that it was as safe as it could be. Right. But I remember when my mom said, it'll be the first time in 18 years that all my kids are home for my birthday. I was like, oh. That's huge. Shit. Yeah. That's huge. So that was like it's that one, that moment there. It just like I said, it kind of started putting everything in pause of like, mm-hmm. damn, of what what you're giving up. Like I said, I know people have to give it up, but you have to, you have to check yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to. And also during that time, twenty twenty one, there was a lot of stuff going around the country. Oh yeah, about law enforcement. Oh and yeah, the way that we were being perceived by the media. Yeah, and um, I'm sure that. It played a played a, a role in that too. When I was laying there in bed, it was all about the George Floyd. It yeah. was all going on at the same time. So that's what I mean. I'm laying there mm-hmm. and I have all these decisions. Like I said, I mean, I'm pretty much immobile. Laying there in bed, I got George Floyd going on. 
I got the city of Myrtle Beach pulling medical benefits. I'm hurt. I don't know what in the world. I, at that time, I still really didn't even know what I was, what my injury was. Because like I said, the first doc in the box missed it. The second one said I just had a bulging disc. And I need a mm-hmm. couple shots. But I'm like, it just doesn't add up. And like I said, luckily, I went and got a, a from a what I consider a true professional. I mean, the Southeastern Spine Institute on Mount Pleasant was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made it clear as day. And that kind of started, started the ball. Um but I mean, that was a lot, like I said, in the trans, like I said, I still kind of will sit with my back. I kind of watch where I'm at. I kind of see who's, mm-hmm. who's around. I mean, that's never going to leave. Um, and I know for some people it was, I, I mean, I'll get conflicting answers there, but I was always caring. Like I constantly always carried until I left mm-hmm. and I left the gun off. Um, even when I could still carry towards the end before I was officially let go or resigned, I could still carry, but I stopped um, because I, I needed to get out of that, that mindset of everybody in this room is fixing to kill me mm-hmm. and, and just start to kind of, kind of go back into the civilian life. And it, and it, it, like I said, it is a huge, even to this day, I mean, I'm still recognized for what I did in the canine unit and the Myrtle Beach police department. Um, I mean, again, like I said, it's all over everything. Where were you at after that transition <clears throat> or during the transition? You were talking about all the things that are kind of closing in. Where do you think you were mentally in that? Was there ever a point where you like, I, I'm done? Or did you always kind of see yourself it was, it was going real, to the next level? It was real weird. Um, and I think it's because like a lot of people when they're leaving – it's they're not really in the situation I'm in. Like where I just started a business. I didn't know I was going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And then I get hurt and it's like, okay, this business is in its infancy. Is this thing even going to make it? What am I going to do in my law enforcement career? Because the injury was ultimately a result from working a dog over time. And some of the gear I was wearing. Um, so I can't work a dog. I can't, is this business going to make, it? I mean, all these, and I'm laying there in bed, like, and I, and it's kind of just, that's what I mean of taking everything in that I could to start trying to figure out. I mean, it's kind of like, like you're knocked down and you're going to pick yourself back up and go. And you got to start thinking, like I said, you, you have to start thinking just differently. Um, and, and like I said, it just, it was a lot to take in. It was a lot to take in mentally. There's no doubt. I mean, like I said, I can remember just laying there like, what in the world? Because again, yep, I won't, if I'm not a police officer anymore, what's going to be my identity? Right. I mean, 12 years of what I've known, I mean, most of my adult life was, was being a police officer. I mean, I was extremely well known in the community. I mean, Roscoe and Kenny, I mean, it's even to this day, I'm still very, very close with a lot of political figures in Myrtle beach. And a lot of my networking is because of working mm-hmm. a dog. I mean, I still get recognized for that. Um, I'll never not bleed the position. Like I said, I have, no ill feelings towards Myrtle Beach Department. I have no mm-hmm. ill feelings towards the position itself. It's just it ain't for me anymore. Right. I mean, if I was to do it again, I'd be a Barney Fife in a, in a community <laughs> with right. nobody around gotcha. to where I could just serve my community. But it's just, no, I mean, now that I've gotten out, um, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, not only do I not necessarily, I could probably go find another agency, but I couldn't put my family through it again. Right. I mean, that's just, that's the, that's the, the pill I would have to swallow. It's okay. And I mean, people are like, oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm dead serious when I say, even if Myrtle Beach came to me and offered me a million dollars 
to come back a year, mm-hmm. I would turn it down because of the time with the family. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. When I say I messed up and missed, it was mm-hmm. there. Right. Um, and even I have to catch myself now because again, a business consumes so much of your time and it's so close and it's emphasis and so close to failure. But the difference is, is I can work till five o'clock. I can get off, go see the, the wife and daughter for a couple hours. The little one goes to bed. Then I'm back to work. Mm-hmm. And that's so that there's that balance. And same thing too, in the summer, when we slow down, I can take a week, go back home. I can, mm-hmm. I can kind of, kind of dictate a lot of this stuff. I don't have to worry about working Christmas. I don't have to worry about missing right. birthdays, dance recitals. I don't have to to do any of that. But again, I probably at the amount of hours I'm working right now, I probably do make minimum wage. <laughs> because right. I'm, I'm nonstop working, but I know that the payoff long-term mm-hmm. and that's the same thing too with the policing. Yeah. You have a pension. I left mine in there. I didn't take it out. I, I won't see any until I'm 55 and I'm not going to get full percentage, but Look at, like I said, don't sleep on the family and things around you and giving up so much with your time and your thought process because if they fired you tomorrow, what do you got? Right. I mean, honestly, what do you, I mean, you had a couple of years in law enforcement, you got a few dollars in the pension and maybe you had a 457 where now as a business owner, like I said, it's not, I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world and there's other jobs out there. It depends on what you want to do, but now I have assets. Mm-hmm. If something happens to me, like I said, and, and there's a lot of things, too. I mean, we're not getting too far off the record, but things that the city probably could have taught me a little bit better. And, and they would bring people in, but they never really would explain, like, life insurance. And even really diving into to an HSA, a health savings account, and all these things I had to learn as a business mm-hmm. owner. Um, I won't say what the price is on my head. Right. But my wife would be, but again, my wife would be taking, if something happens <clears> to me, She's okay. Right. She's going to be taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. So that gives me complete peace of mind where before I know they gave a little bit of life insurance, but I didn't really understand it mm-hmm. as nothing like I know now. Right. And again, if, if somebody wants to go do their research, cause there's whole life and term life, I don't know why somebody wouldn't um, because you can, like I have something called a blend policy where I will pretty much get more than my money back plus interest mm-hmm. over the course of 20 years if I survive. But if I don't, hopefully I'm around to get it. Right. But if I'm not, my family is going to be getting taken care of. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if we always had that sense in the law enforcement. I mean, you'll hear some of the agencies, and I'm not saying that it's not some, but what happens four or five years down the road, I'm not saying that officers still aren't, some of them are close, but it's not going to be the same. Right. I mean, once you leave, I, again, I was in an agency with over 200 and some officers and I probably talked to three, maybe four mm-hmm. since, since leaving. So that, once you leave that bubble, you're, you're, on, you're on the outside now. Right. And that's, and that, that was kind of a, an ill, kind of a weird, eerie feeling. Um, like I said, the ones I'm still really close with, some of the best officers I've ever worked around, and you can tell they care. That's what I'm getting at. There's a lot of toxic people that you're around that you think care. Well, it's like, it's like John, John yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Um, um, and then have John in here too. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, he was, he was the supervisor when I walked in with the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I, I have all the utmost respect for John. Yep. Um, he was always very black and white. Yep. I mean, there was no, you knew where he stood. Right. Um, which is, which is hard. Um, because I mean, there, we always hear the black and white and then you're trying to just, like I said, stay on that line and just trying to make sure you're, you're doing the right things. Unfortunately, some guys don't do the right things. Um, they make poor decisions, but it, yeah, I mean, you gotta, there's a lot to it. Like I said, 
a lot of a lot of crazy calls, a lot of stuff I was in. Um, probably one of the the craziest calls that I'll I'll never forget. And this is where, like I said, the, the mind stuff really come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, so our office was in Market Commons, and uh, I was on the street the next day. Like I said, I'm a diehard hunter. I'm trying to complete this thing called the World Slam for turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, it try, and I have one to go, and I leave in March of 25 to finish it in uh, Campeche, Mexico. But I was supposed to go to Florida the next day to go get my Osceola. And a call comes out, um, and I'm not, I'm maybe two blocks from it. I knew I was going to be the closest one. <laughs> a individual suffering from PTSD is shooting a shotgun off of Market Commons trying to blow up propane tanks. Wow. So I knew when I turned around, I was outgunned. Um, I knew it was going to be. So all these things are, are running through my head at that time. I'm like, okay, obviously, I, I, like I said, I'm outgunned. The guy's got PTSD. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is not going to be limited. This, this is going to be, this is right. not going to be end, end well. I said, it's going to be one way or the other. Um, and I'd already made that mind up. So as I flip around and I'm an unmarked car, and like I said, this is what separates us from what I, I really consider like regular civilians and how fast we have to think. Because as I'm going down the street and uh, I see this person backing up on the phone, but before I see that person on the phone, I can see the spent shell casings going down the side of the road. So remember to this day, they're red. Mm-hmm. Um, I see this guy backing up on the phone. So I park my car and I see an individual coming out. He's probably about, I'd say 40, 50 yards from me. Um, which I was capable of hitting him with a pistol, like I said, firearm destructor, but it's still, it's a tough shot. I mean, your, your adrenaline's pumping, everything's going. And I bailed out of the car. And again, at the same time I'm processing all this, he's got two propane tanks in his right hand, shotgun in his left hand, and I'm just straight charging him. Like, I'm not even going to give him, give him the opportunity. I mean, like I said, I knew if I probably stayed behind that car, I knew how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I'm processing like, okay, he's got two propane tanks in his right hand. He's going to have to switch. Most likely his right hand. All this is just going through your head in just split seconds. Right. And by challenging him and charging him like that, luckily he gave up. Mm-hmm. I mean, but again, that was one of those things of like, I mean, when you're, it was harder from the time from driving there to the, to the initial contact than it was once the contact happened. Then it was just. Well, there's on. a million scenarios that go through our head before oh, yeah. we even get to the scene. Yep, and you're and I'm trying to play them all out, right? Um, and just thinking, like, I I truly thought there was no way, there was absolutely no way this was not going to end in gunfire. Right. I just, I mean, he was already shooting the guns off. I mean, if you're that that out there, you're trying to blow propane tanks up, right? I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. So, like I said, that stuff will that stuff will stick with you and and wear with you. And like I said, to be able to, to and then looking back at him, like Jesus Christ, I'm going to charge this guy with a shotgun. I mean, but I knew. I was going to be outgunned and I knew I had, I knew if I got within 15, 20 yards, it was, it was not going to fare well for him right. with, a, with a gun in his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I had a fighting chance, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, like I said, there was a lot of that stuff though. I mean, that's just one of many, like I said, Myrtle beach is, is different And Myrtle beach. And I don't want Myrtle beach to sound bad. I mean, I know people listen all over Myrtle beach has its problems, but I'll give them this. They, they solve stuff quick. I mean, there are some rock-solid officers in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like they always had the best interest for the community. Um, even, like I said, there were certain things. I understand the business, but I, I truly always felt like that was their best intention was to protect that city. And we always hear oh, Myr- Myrtle Beach has the highest crime rate, blah, blah, blah. 
but they're, the numbers are truly skewed. Do we have shootings and issues? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you're running around out at night on the back streets, yeah, something could happen. But when they're going to judge the crime rate off of 30,000 people when there's umpteen millions of people coming in. Right. But with that many people coming in, you were going to get into something. I mean, you're running sometimes in the summer 25, 30 calls a day. Mm-hmm. That's just what kind of gets that taxing. Because, again, I, I always tell people, I'm like, the only way I could tell you to kind of relate to it is imagine if 25 of your friends called you every day with their problems. That's And they want you to come over. Yeah. They want you to come over. They want you to fix it. Yeah. It took them five years to get into that mess, yeah. but they want you to fix it in 15 yeah. seconds. Correct. And then if it doesn't have the outcome that they want, then they get upset. Right. They don't like you anymore. Correct. So, I mean, again, like I said, you're, you're taking all that in. That's what I mean, where it just starts weighing on you. You have to have an out. Yep. If you don't have an out, it's going to, like so, I said. So what was your out? Hunting. Hunting. Hunting and fishing. Going out. In the, like I said, it okay. was, yeah. it was just because it got remote. It got me away from mm-hmm. everyone. Um, it just, it, like I said, that's what, what I needed. And that's why I knew alcohol was not. Right. Cause that was just, I promise you, I don't know mm-hmm. again where I would have been. But I can tell you it wouldn't have been good. I just, I know it. So let's go with the, um, let's go with the advice. Uh, final question. Um, and then we'll, we'll have you tell us about your, the name of your business, how they can reach you. Yeah. But final advice that you would give any a new officer, an officer that's been, you've got 12 years of experience. You've been up, you've done the highs, the lows, all of the stuff. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell, tell that officer that's saying, man, you know, you did it 12 years. Yeah. What's your greatest advice that you could, could that you could give them? You got to really know what you're signing up for. Um, like I said, I, I knew quite a bit of it. But when I sat on the hiring boards and I would watch officers come in there and some of them were only looking for a job, I'm like, these people have no idea mm-hmm. like what they're really fixing to step into. Um, but you've really got to just, like I said, you have to have that out. If you don't have that out, um, it just that stuff's got to go somewhere. It, it has to go somewhere. And again, that's why we have one of the highest divorce rates, the domestic violence, mm-hmm. the suicide, everything that comes yeah. along with it because there's no out for it, like I said, or the drinking. And the drinking is going to probably lead to one of those because you're going to make poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden you get, you get the DUI or you get a domestic. Now your career's in jeopardy. And then now you're spiraling out of control. Cause what else do you know? Especially if you had a long career and then you lose your identity. Correct. And now most likely the cause of that, the drinking or whatever, you're probably in it even more. So we're eventually then just going to lead, right. Lead the problems. So just know, and like I said, it's hard. And, and, and sometimes it takes a good friend. I mean, to snatch up, I mean, again, I can remember pulling guys off of suspects. Mm-hmm. I mean, of just like, Hey, that's enough. Right. We're done. Um, and, and having not only, like I said, good friends around you outside, but good officers. Mm-hmm. I mean, making sure that I didn't want to be around a bad officer. Right. Even the, I, I just didn't want to be around it. I mean, if they were, I don't want it to sound bad, but if they were somebody that was just never exposed to anything, they're, they're not, they're not going to understand. Right. I mean, I watched almost 15 college kids go to jail for one beer and put everything in jail. Come on. Like that's, so you're wow. telling me that nobody, none of, none of those other officers staying there had drank before they were 21. Right. It's just, it's unrealistic, but you have to, you have to really look at the job, look at the different agencies. Mm-hmm. Not every agency is the same. And right. I know a lot of guys are just trying to get in there and get in a stepping stone. Just be careful what you're stepping in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got, it's got, <laughs> right. it might not be what you think it is. Right. Um, 
do you think mental health, um, mental health, fitness, things like that should be part of the orientation? Yeah. I mean, to try to, cause it wasn't when you started, correct? correct it wasn't. Yeah. And I think, I think if there was some training that kind of, kind of maybe gave you like bullet points of like, Hey, these indications, you probably need to like, again, I'm not saying the resources weren't there. Like if I became an alcoholic or something and said something to somebody, but of like, Hey, if you, if, if you've got this going on or, or you have this scenario here or you're, you're feeling something like this. Um, and, I, and again, that that's the hard part with the stigma mm-hmm. in law enforcement is because, and again, I, it's no different for me. Um, you couldn't say anything because if you said it, the next thing you know, you're gonna lose your gun. So you lose your badge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it's, it's a extremely fine line mm-hmm. of, of, of crossing. Um, and that's what I mean where you have the resources around you, but you, when you can check yourself, you, you have to, like right. I said, I mean, I, I've been there. I, I've been there. Like I said, to where it's like, Hey, that's what I'm saying with the alcohol. Like mm-hmm. I knew that I had to, if I, if I was going to see what I was going to see, cause I was still drinking even when, when the incident happened with the 16 year old, if I would have known what I was going to keep seeing, mm-hmm. I knew that the drinking was just going to pick up right? and it was just going to spiral everything out of control. Um, and it, you can't, you can't let that, the job is definitely identity. Um, it's definitely something to be proud and stand for. But like I said, a lot of things for me looking back at it, it stole a lot from me too. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't let it steal but so much. Right. Because again, everybody is depending on you, but especially your family back home. And exactly. they always get the worst of us. They do. I mean, they constantly we get the worst. We treat them the worst. We, really we do. do. I mean, more and you come home and you yeah. just, yeah, I mean, you're you're used to them being there. And mm-hmm. again, that's why that's why things happen. Um, and again, I think because I grew up in a domestic domestic household, mm-hmm father-in-law that wasn't very faithful to my mother, the drinking and all that stuff. I think that's where I was able to check myself a little bit more instead of going down that path. Cause you got to make a decision. Um, but like I said, when you're going to sign up for, for this position and it's hard mm-hmm. nowadays, cause a lot of times they don't want, they don't want our, the younger generation doesn't want to sign up for it. I mean, I get it. I mean, the media blasts us, mm-hmm. um, the pay is okay. There's not, there's not, I mean, now I think with the city of Myrtle Beach and not just knocking the city, but there's uh, what do you got to do? Like 28 years, 27, 28, 28, 28 years, yep. no medical in the end, 54% of your best five years. So you're pretty much saying that you're going to have to cut your salary in half when you retire out. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't invest really well or, or so forth, I mean, you're making 60, $70,000 a year. I, it just, the money starts, starts right. pouring out. And again, all of a sudden you're trying to hang on to a career that you love, but the money's not there to support your family. Mm-hmm. And they're, again, it just putting yourself in the right position, especially like I said, and it's not just that, but like I said, like I was talking about with the HSA and the the life insurance and, and investments and stuff like that, let that, let what you do have, especially early on in your career, start compounding. So it doesn't put you in those situations. Cause I can't imagine of like, okay, now I'm, I'm out of money. I'm in a position like, I mean, I watch guys. I watched right. it when I started and I know I'm kind of going off of it. Don't live past your means of what your salary is. Mm-hmm. I cannot express that enough because when I started, Kenny, you're going to get all the overtime you can imagine. You're just going to get, it's going to run wild. And I watched a whole lot of guys fold up. Right. Um, we lost enough officers 
whether they'll admit to it or not. We lost enough officers. We had to go from 10-hour shifts to 12-hour shifts because we couldn't cover. Mm-hmm. I remember being one of three officers in the whole city of Myrtle Beach for covering the streets. I mean, mm-hmm. they got that bad because, again, they were just they were flat broke and, right. and losing everything. Um, so just don't put yourself in, in worse situations because, like I said, the job's already going to take its toll on you. Right. Don't make don't make dumb decisions to make it even even harder. And like I said, get friends outside of there. Absolutely. I just can't. I can't harp it. And don't don't let the family. I don't care what you got to do. Don't let that family because once you lose their support, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's going to get real difficult. Agreed. So, so what's the name of your business? So the business is Bird Dog Power Washing. Like I said, it's named mm-hmm. after Roscoe. He's right. a Griffon wired hair pointer. Um, like I said, it's still, I wake up every day, like, how did this happen? <laughs> how is in three right. years? Like, I, I don't, yeah. I can't quite comprehend. Like I said, I've been lucky enough to speak at events and um, come on podcasts like you guys right. and, and, and kind of talk from both sides because I guess for me, it's almost like living three different, three different lives because again, I grew up kind of, like I said, broken, broken home sort of kind of growing up, the moving to an area that never even knowing what the heck's doing. They're going into law enforcement mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden running a business. Like, right. I mean, they're just, they all have, they've all basically molded me into who I am today. Um, but you have to, like I said, that job will just eat you alive if you right. don't watch it. And, and that's what sucks. I mean, we're, we watch people, like I said, I've, there's been enough between suicides and everything mm-hmm. else like that. Right. Um, you just, you gotta, you gotta be careful. So what's a, a website? Yep, birddogpowerwashing.com. And uh, you can obviously the office is 843-999-6112. Okay. And my number is 843-241-7770 if anybody needs anything. Like I'm I said, saying. I don't care what it is. Because, again, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not taking your badge. <laughs> I'm not taking your gun. I don't care right. what it is. I'm just cleaning your house. Yep, you that's can call right. me. I will show up, clean your house, and we can talk for as long as you need to talk. Outstanding. I mean, that's that's kind of guy I am. Kenny, I appreciate you coming in, man. Um, we, we got a lot of knowledge. Uh, obviously your experience uh, it's an honor to have you here yeah. uh, we look forward to having future podcasts obviously we're you know if we'll bring you on board to do that um, in the later episodes and stuff like that and we wish you great success obviously with with bird dog and uh, power washing probably yeah. going to have you come over in the spring and take care yeah. of my place I mean so. you guys are doing a great thing like I said I think that there's just it's it's the assistance officers can get but understanding like I said kind of what I was hinting at towards them of there's different there's different options like i said yes you have to have that self-control too right. and just don't put yourself in a bad spot but you guys are definitely doing great work and we're definitely appreciate it we're trying to save lives man with yeah. this we love our brothers and sisters we just need them to stop killing themselves yeah i get it man All i right. get it i appreciate you man. pleasure thank, thank you, you.